Thank you, Lord. God is here and He's with us. He is with us today. And God is good all the time, isn't He? He is always good. He's always moving. He's always doing. We just thank you, Lord. And uh, we just need to keep going. Sometimes you don't even think that you have God. Sometimes your life gets so busy, you don't even think you have Him. And the Lord is reminding you today that He is in you. And the devil wants to try to crowd you out with so much stuff and get you so busy and get you so frustrated, get you so tired, get you so hot and muggy that you don't uh, do anything for him. But you need to know that he is in you (laughs) and he is always moving. He's always doing. Come on, church. Come on. Do you believe me? (laughs) The Lord is good and he has a plan for this very moment. We need to seize the moment. The Bible tells us that this life is a vapor. Come on, this life is a vapor. It is passing away. It is a mist. It is a fog that has come and gone. Do you guys know that? Do you believe it? You believe the word that this life is a vapor. It's just passing by. We need to seize this moment. If our life is a vapor, then what is this moment? If our lives are a vapor, then how could you even determine what this moment is? How could you gauge it? It is quick. We need to seize this moment right now. We need to be seeking God now while he may be found. And that's why I just want to jump right into this. And um, I've been preaching and I'm going to preach again because the Holy Spirit's directing me to the power of if. The power of if. And this comes right from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. He says, if my people... Come on, we know this verse. If you're a believer, you know this verse. But the Lord says, if my people, and then he tells us to do some things, and then he says, I will do something. The Lord says, if you will do something, I will do something. Do you understand that? And you know the entire word is filled with this. All the way through, all the way through till Revelation, it says, if, 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 if. And if it doesn't say the word if, it's implying the if, the condition that your part in his part. And I've preached on this before. That's a Greek word called koinonia. And it's this idea that you join with God. It's this idea that God is the power plant and you're the rubber that meets the road. And in between you two is a transmission. In between the power, the motor, you know, you can have the most powerful motor inside that car and you can have the, the grippiest rubber, but until you connect, it doesn't mean anything, right? Anybody like cars? Anybody, <laughs> anybody here? And until they connect, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean how ready you are. And it doesn't, that is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. God's power. God's power is his power. He's not going to change. He's always going to be God. It's this connecting to his power that we must do as believers. And it does not happen automatically. I've said it a million times. You won't hear me say it the last time right now. And it is that we are not forced to do anything. God does not force you to do anything. He did not force you to say yes to him. He did not force you to repent of your sins and to be forgiven and to have eternity. He didn't force that upon you. And hopefully, uh, if you're here, and this is a a small group, I know you, so (laughs) I know this crowd, but hopefully it was out of his love and not out of fear of hell. Although, if it has to be, I always say, 
preached on hell last, but if you have to scare someone into heaven, then so be it. Jesus did it too. But it should be out of the love and the grace and the mercy of God that we come to him. But something happened in that moment. You responded, hopefully not to fear, but hopefully to love, but you made a response to God. God offered you eternity and you said, yes, Lord, I want that. I want eternity. And in fact, that same exact uh, if, that if you will repent, I will forgive you. If you will give me your heart, I'll give you new life. If you will die, I'll raise you up again. He continues to say that if to us our entire lives. As a believer, in fact, it becomes a responsibility because the Bible says that we don't go to a temple. We are his temple. You are his temple. The Bible actually tells us that you ready for this? It sounds like heresy, but this is the word. Jesus is no longer the light of the world. Did you know that? What does the Bible say? New Testament. Who's the light of the world? We are. Why are we the light? How can you be the light? Can you be the light on your, on your own? We are the light because His light is shining in our hearts. The Bible says that the morning star has risen. Jesus has risen in your heart. And so there's a light shining in you. So then you become the light to this world. And a city on a hill cannot be hidden. We don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, the Word says. But we must shine out. So the Lord is actually, when we have said yes to Him, when we made a pact and an agreement with Him, and as I've been preaching on these last couple weeks, we made a covenant with God. We became his people. We became his children, and we have a responsibility to call upon him. We have a responsibility to pray to him. As an unbeliever, there's no responsibility, just like you don't put any responsibility on a baby. But at some point, the parent says to the child, it's time to get a job. <laughs> It's time to start washing your own laundry because you use two towels at a time. <laughs> at some point, we transitioned into being his children. You were not, we need to understand his word. It is, it is not true that the whole world is God's children. That sounds nice, sounds cute. That's not the Bible though. I just preach the word. I don't preach my opinions and I don't preach other people's doctrines and I don't preach good books. The Bible says that you became children. You became his children. So there was no responsibility on you before, although the opportunity was there, but then you became his children. And we need to truly understand what it means to be children of God. God requires something of us. Yes, it was free. He offered your salvation free. It's like I've said a million times, I can give you, I can give you and have a gift right here for free. This gift is free. It requires nothing of you to receive it, but it will require everything of you to open it and use it. It's free. It's not that it's not free. It's not conditional, but God is then asking of you to take what he's given you and use it. And this is what he's given us. He's given us the power. Did you know there is a power in prayer? Wow. Hello. <laughs> I'm seeing your nods. Yes, there is power in prayer. And in fact, what's amazing here is that everything that we see in this passage here is what Jesus did. Jesus didn't have to turn from his wicked ways. He just 
wasn't wicked. <laughs> but nonetheless, he had to practice that. Do you see this? Jesus practiced this, and we started to look at it last week. Jesus humbled himself. Jesus prayed. Jesus sought his father's face, and Jesus made his lifestyle. That's really what this is, a lifestyle of not walking wicked. And we can actually do the same exact thing. Jesus actually just asked us to live as he lived. And I looked at that last week. We don't have time for that, but the scriptures tell us there's multiple places that tells you to live just as Christ lived. And that's in the one that I love is Philippians 2. And we don't live like we used to live. We live as Jesus lived. And so, just so I can move right into this, we've been preaching on this, and we looked at these, these points. God wants to move in your, on your part. God wants to move in this valley. God wants to do something in your life and in your family's life and in this world. And he's waiting. I don't understand all the rules of the universe, but I just know they exist and I respect them. I don't fully understand how the earth just floats in space and how gravity works, but I understand that it exists. Instead of, you know, I could just, I could spend my whole life trying to figure it out or I can just respect it. We can try to understand, try to understand God and understand his principles, or I can just respect that he's God and that he knows what he's talking about. Right. And I've seen gravity work, so I understand I'm not going to mess with it. I'm going to respect it. I don't understand why we have to pray for God to move, but I understand by his word that that's how it works. If I was God and I'm not God, then everybody in the whole world would just be saved and no one could commit a sin, right? But then, then we've got robots walking around and nobody wants someone to be forced to love you. So God in his greatness has a better way, doesn't he? He doesn't want robots. He wants people by choice. And the way that he has designed this present time, and it is temporary, is that there are his witnesses, his people, his children on this earth as ambassadors. The Bible calls us ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors. Do you know what an ambassador is? It is the absolute 100% closest representation of the entire nation itself in one person. That's really an ambassador. That doesn't mean that that ambassador is doing a good job, but that's what the ambassador is supposed to be doing, representing its morals, representing its ideals, representing the, 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 what that nation stands for in a person. And so the Bible calls us ambassadors, and God is waiting. He is waiting. He wants to hear. He wants to hear from heaven. He wants to forgive this nation's sins and, the, and our families and this valley here, and he wants to restore our land. And I need to preach on this again because the Holy Spirit is trying to get to us that it is all conditional on the if. That's what he wants to do. God wants to do that. God wants, it says, for all to be saved, the Bible says. And yet Jesus tells his disciples to go into the world and make disciples. Jesus has the answer and he has the way. The way is you. The way is you and I. We are the way. Come on, Jesus said, I'm the way, and he showed the way. Then Jesus left this earth. Did you realize that Jesus is not dead, but he's not on this earth? Who's he in? Who, how is Jesus still on the earth? 
through us and only through us. That's the way, that's the word, that's his design. And so we are called to, as we've been saying, just as Jesus did, humble ourselves. That is the key. It's a foundation. You cannot pray unless you've humbled yourself. You cannot pray. Prayer takes humility. In fact, if you try to pray not humble, you're not praying. <laughs> it's not prayer yet. It takes humility. And we pray. And then I want to move right here to seek. And this is a, an important word to notice and I'm praying, thank you, Holy Spirit, that this iPad is going to cooperate today as well. But it's been acting up. Doesn't want to submit to Jesus, but it's going to have to. And if not, then I will do it anyway. So that's up to you, I guess, iPad. <laughs> so the Lord is asking us to not only pray, but to seek him. Seeking and praying, they sound similar, they can look similar, but there is a whole nother level. In fact, if God wanted to write this verse as just praying, then he would have. But it says, I want you to pray and seek my face. And I just tried to really break down what this means in something simple. And I have some verses and some, and some concepts here, but I did read... Uh, a really amazing way to describe it, which is just this. It's a conscious fixing or focusing on. That's what seeking is. It's a conscious fixing or focusing on. And it's versus praying. Uh, I see it as like this. It's praying is, is telling God or asking God for your needs or for the things that you are asking him for, that's your prayer. And whereas seeking him can be just to be with him, A, right? It's just for his presence, just for, just for his presence, just to be with him. And just doing that alone will change your life instantaneously. We just don't do that enough, and I'm, I'm just as guilty. But also, as we seek him versus praying, we pray, and then the seeking is starting to get the answers, starting to get the will of God. We start to get the will of God. We start to get his ways. We need to spend time with him. I can pray, Lord, you need to touch Dawn's heart. Lord, you need to touch her heart. Lord, you need to touch her heart. So now I go and I begin to seek him about that. And he says to me, Adam, you need to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And then as she feels your love towards her, right, you start, now the Lord starts showing something else in my seeking a whole nother level. My prayer is, Lord, you need to touch her. And then in the seeking, the Lord starts to give the strategy. She starts to see Jesus Christ in my love for her. Does this make any sense? The seeking is a whole nother level. And you don't just want to be a praying Christian. You need to be a seeking Christian. And really seeking is, is, starting, is just pushing everything else aside. Someone asked me recently, what does it mean to seek him? And I said this in last week or the week before. Just means that I start to, when I start thinking about this world and how I'm going to do this and when I'm going to do that and planning this and planning that and so on, and I want this and I want that, I, 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 me, 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 right? That's all of our hearts all day long. And each time I do that, I just begin to start pushing those things aside more and more and more. 
And I just begin to say, Lord, what is your will? Lord, what is your heart? And that's just, that's not even just, that's not even set time aside. That's where you're out and about. And then there's a whole, and then that's just the seeking. That's just a lifestyle of seeking. But then seeking is even more than that. So you're praying and you're seeking, but seeking's even more than that. Seeking is a withdrawing. It must be a withdrawing. Literally, when you seek God's face, you get on your face. To seek God's face requires you to get on your face, which requires a removal, a removal of you from this world. Honestly, if we remove ourselves a little, just a little bit, man, the Lord said to me once, if you would focus on the kingdom as much as you focus on some of your hobbies, man, I felt just, the, it was so sharp, the Lord speaking to me. You have no idea what you could see happen in your life. Because believe me, we, we find right away what our hearts are after, how much time. I don't have time to pray, but I've got five hours for my hobby. I'll give you 15 minutes because I've got 150 minutes to put into my hobby. And I just don't have the time for you right now. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. The Lord is good, isn't he? And he's asking us to seek him. See, seeking is not just praying. Seeking is separating. You got to separate from this world. And it doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean you don't go to work. And I've said this before. And I don't want to see anybody quitting your job unless the Lord has created a way for that's for your life. All right? It doesn't mean that you don't enjoy family time. And you don't do a hobby. That's fine. The Lord is not offended by those things. But when those things have your heart and it's quick and it's subtle, then we've got to let it go. It comes in quick, starts taking your heart too fast. And I just see, if you go through the word though, there is a withdrawing. There is a seeking. Sometimes we're praying and we're saying, God, why aren't you moving? And God says, well, you've been praying, but now it's time to seek me. Does that mean that he's not already working on an answer? I'm not saying that as soon as you, well, I've preached it before because I believe it. The moment that a sinner says, I repent, God starts moving instantly. The moment you begin to pray, God starts moving. But sometimes the answer, even though it's already moving towards you, it takes some seeking time to get it to earth. Does that make sense? And I've talked about that. I don't have the time today, but I encourage you to go and read the story of Daniel and Daniel's fast and the 21 days. There was a praying, the prayer was heard, but then he continued to seek God for 21 days and then it was released into this realm, okay? It was already in the heavenlies instantly, but to get it to this realm took some seeking. And the word is filled with this. We can look in the book of Acts chapter one where uh, the, the apostles, Jesus has, has left the earth. He's not dead. I need to say that again because maybe the devil forgot. Jesus is not dead, but he left the earth in a physical body, but he's about to come again onto the earth in the spirit into us. And so the apostles are waiting, but it says that in, in Acts chapter one, verse 13, that they went upstairs. Everybody say, you got to go upstairs you got to get up to that upper room and you got to shut the door. 
All right, now this is, doesn't have to be a room, doesn't have to be a closet, doesn't have to be your car, doesn't have to be even time. This can be a heart thing. You can be working and, and do, being diligent at your job and still separated from this world. Really, that's the ultimate thing he's looking for is a lifestyle. That's what Jesus showed us. But then there is a, there, that's just your life. But there is a specific time and Jesus showed us that he did it. It says in Luke 5, and you can just stay here in Acts, but it says in Luke 5, verse 16, that Jesus withdrew. Everybody say, withdrew. Jesus withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Often, it says. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And there's other verses that, that show us that, that he was constantly going up to the mountain. And then he even took Peter with him one time, right, and got to see him transfigured, had an encounter with God on that mountain. But here we see that the apostles are doing the same thing. They learned from Jesus, and here that's what they're doing. It says that they went upstairs to the room they were staying, and it says that they separated themselves. In verse 14, they met together and were constantly united in prayer. This is not just saying a prayer. Come on, this is more than just praying. Do you get what I'm saying? This is seeking God. There is praying, and then there's seeking God. I can say a prayer and expect God to answer the prayer when I walk with Him. But there is a seeking God that He's asking for. And many of us, you're dissatisfied with your life right now. And, and this is a, this, the actual crowd inside this room might not be big, but I can sense the heart of this church and the heart of this valley. You're dissatisfied, and it's because God's saying, I want more. And I have more. I want more of you, and if you will give me more of you, I have more for you. Come on, I need to say that again. I want more of you, and if you will give it to me, I have more for you. The Lord has more for you, but it takes the constantly shutting away, shutting the door, separating yourself from this world, closing the door, and getting into the presence of God, whether it's by yourself or with others. Either way, you are unified with this body. God has placed you here. You're unified with this body in this church. And we just thank you, Lord Jesus, right now, Lord, that we are united, that we are praying. We're seeking your face, Lord God, for a purpose. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then we can see that Moses, this was amazing. I started to look, all of a sudden I'm praying and I started, I looked this up because I was praying and the Lord started to speak to me. The Lord started to show me what was going on with Moses. Now Moses, it says, it says in Exodus chapter 19, you remember the story, what happened, how they come out of Israel. I mean, they come out of Egypt and they're heading towards Israel and they're in the wilderness. And basically what's happening is, is God wants to meet with his people. Remember the story. God wants to meet with his people. God redeemed them. He separated them. He freed them. But now he wants to meet with them. Do you remember? Here in the wilderness. And it says in Exodus chapter 19, it says that the Lord told Moses, verse 10, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. And he says, verse 11, be ready on the third day. And verse 16, it says on the, on the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed. And there was a loud blast, a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. And in chapter 20, verse 18, it says, When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast, it says that they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. 
And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. Now, this is amazing because what's happening here is that God has offered his people his very presence. He's offered a relationship with them and they rejected it. Listen, I, you hear me say it, I, I will go through the word. If you, if you don't believe me, I will go through the word and show you that God offers himself to you, but he does not force himself on you. You can choose to not have God. You can choose to reject him. You can choose. And you can even be in like a godly place and not want to be too close to him. It is your choice. But what do we read? What happens with Moses? Remember, you have to, I had to read that first because the Bible says that, that he offered it to everyone. He offered it to the whole crowd. He offered it to everyone, but it says that they, they didn't want that. Well, let's read what God gave. And we know that we, in the Bible, I just read it last week, we have, it says that if you compared the glory that Moses had with God to the glory we have with Jesus Christ, it's not even comparable. So what we're about to read, we've got even more through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ. But it says in verse, in chapter 24, it said that God said to Moses, come up here to me. Everybody say out loud, come up here to me. This is what God is offering, and this is what God is asking. Come up here to me. We keep asking for Jesus to come down. Come on, Jesus, I want you to come down into my situation Come down into my story. Come down into my problem. And the Lord's not saying that, that I don't care about your issue or your problem, but I want to help you rise above it. I want to get you, I, I, you may not physically get out of the problem, might be still, as we've just looked at, Jesus still walked on the waters in the physical sense that the waves and the wind were still there. In the spiritual sense, he rose above it and walked on top. And actually, his body physically was able to do that too. But the actual surroundings were still the wind and the waves. And so that's what Jesus is asking us. And he has offered. He offered it to Moses. And we have an even greater glory. Say, I've got a greater glory. Through Jesus Christ. And he offered Moses to come up here. And then he says, I want you to bring Aaron and Adab and Abihu and 70 of the, of the Israel's elders, and, and you all must worship from a distance. So he tells them to come up, so they come up to some sort of a level, and it sounds like mountaintops to me. When I read this, and I just started to really study this and started to see there's like these mountaintops with God. Remember, we've, we've, this is like a common phrase in Christianity, mountaintops, but this is what God does. He brings you higher and higher and higher and higher and higher doesn't he? And he offers it to you. Come on, he's offering. You can go as high as you want. He's going to keep calling. God doesn't stop calling, but you can stop wherever you want. Don't stop too low. (laughs) Come on, man. Don't stop too quick. That's between you and the Lord on the day of salvation. I'm not here to define where salvation begins and ends. And where, you've, where you have given your life fully to him and not. That's between you and him. But there is an absolute pathway that God is asking for us. Jesus said, I am the way. 
I am the truth and I am the life. All who come to me, right? All who follow me. He, I mean, I just, I'm paraphrasing about 10 different scriptures at once, but the point is that he's asking us to walk with him, to follow him. I'm heading somewhere. I'm heading to the cross. I'm heading through the cross and I'm seated at the right hand of God and I'm welcoming you to do the same with me. Come on, right? In Jesus' name. And he says here in Exodus, it says that he told the elders they could go so far because they didn't, they didn't fully want. But he says to Moses, he said, he said uh, in verse 12, then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. So he went to, they went, all went to a certain level. Then Moses went to another level. Everybody say Moses went to another level with God. The Lord offered it to him, and he's offering it to you. Come on. And there is something that the Lord has for him. It says, stay there. Everybody say, stay there. there. What did the apostles have to do? What did Jesus instruct the apostles to do in the upper room? To stay there, to remain. What did Jesus tell us in John chapter 15? He said, abide, which means what? It's an old fancy word. It means stay, remain. You stay put. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. And you can ask whatever you want, it says in John 15. I love the remaining part. I love the picture of the vine. And then we get down into that passage. It says, and you then. Sometimes we're like, God, I've been asking you and I don't see the answer. And the Lord's like, well, you need to stay put and me a little bit longer. Just because you haven't seen the fruit yet doesn't mean anything. Come on, you can't plant a seed in the ground and then stare at it and wonder why it's not producing fruit yet. The Lord's like, you got to stay put in me. Stop going in and out every other minute. You're in, then you're out. You're in, then you're out. You're in, then you're out. Listen, has anybody done any gardening? It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You're not going to produce any fruit. And you're wondering, Lord, where's the fruit? And it looks like you're like, I look like a vine. I feel like a vine. But you're so in and out that you're never plugged in long enough to get the Lord's heart into you so that the fruit then can come out of you. You have the idea, you have the concept, but the Lord is asking us to do more than just to pray, but to seek him. And that's the idea of this passage. We're looking like, Lord, where's the restoration? Where's the healing? And the Lord's like, you need to just keep seeking me. You need to keep praying. That's the seeking. Seeking is a constant prayer. It's a moving. It's a, it just keeps going. And what happens when we begin to seek God like this, this is incredible, because he told Moses to come up higher and stay. And then look what it says in verse 12. What does it say that God will do there? And I will give you, everybody say, I will give you the tablets of stone on which I have inscribed the instructions and commands so you can teach the people. What does the Bible tell us, New Testament, that after Moses smashes these stones, right? Out of, you can read that story out of outrage because the people are worshiping foreign gods. And I, would, I understand and identify coming down the mountain. You spend time with God and it's like, what are you doing? And then they write a new one. But God's got something even better than that. What did God promise us, New Testament? 
that he would take these tablets of stone and he would carve them into our hearts. So what happens here? Let's look at the picture here because our glory is even greater than Moses. Moses had this, had this temporary, he had a picture. We call that a type and a shadow in Christianity. And this picture that he had was this higher and higher and higher in God. And when you get to a certain level with God, you get to that place with God where you're walking with God. God's with you. You are together. There's a connection. There's a staying, not a in and out, give me what I need and let me take what I need and go do my thing. It's a staying connected to God and a higher and higher and higher. And you got you to gotta, you gotta get on that mountain. You got to keep climbing. You got to keep going. And there is no stop and there's no turning around. And then it says, that he would write. There was something that Moses was able to receive from God. You don't even know. How can you possibly dictate what you should be doing, where you should be going, how you should be living outside of the presence of God? And a lot of that, I say a lot of that, and that could sound like heresy. It's not, let me finish, is in his word. And why I say a lot and not all is because you can't receive his word. Scholars in colleges break down the Bible like a book, like a history book, and they have no spirit, and it's just a book. The truths are still in there, but by the spirit of God, inside God's presence. When you say, God, I want to believe your word, Holy Spirit, begin to open your word and reveal to me, reveal to me where... I'm not doing what your word has asked me and encourage me where I am in your presence every day, all the time in that word. And the Bible says that he didn't stop here. Come on, everybody say he didn't stop yet. It says, then Moses climbed up the mountain and a cloud covered it. Come on, you, you keep seeking God, you keep pressing into God and God's presence will be there. God is with you instantly. Is there any doubt that God was with the children of Israel all the way down at the bottom in the wilderness? In fact, that was their sin, the fact they didn't recognize he was with them. If you really study the word, their sin was not their sins. The biggest sin, the thing that really hurt God's heart, was they didn't trust that he was there with them. He's like, I give you food every single day. Comes off the ground like, like a miracle. Your clothes hasn't worn out. Your shoes don't wear out. So it's not a lack of God's presence being with you to guide you and take care of you. But God doesn't just want to be God on a throne. And God, he, he is always that. And he will be worshiped like that. Okay, that doesn't change. But he wants to be more. What did Jesus tell us, New Testament? Now I call you, come on, you can say it out loud. Friends. I call you Friends. The Bible says that Moses was a friend of God. Well, that's amazing because Jesus said that he calls us friends. That means that we walk the way that Jesus, the disciples were walking with Jesus, the way that we can walk with God is, uh, doesn't even compare to this type and shadow Old Testament, but it gives us a picture of what God wants us to live like in his presence constantly going up and up and up into his presence. And then finally, finally, and then it says, then Moses climbed up and the cloud covered it. And verse 16, and the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. And listen to this though. On the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from inside the cloud. 
I was surprised. I mean, I knew this story, and then the Holy Spirit told me to go and read this again, and I started thumbing through it, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I stopped, and I read it a lot slower because I said, wow, Holy Spirit, this is incredible. It says that as the cloud covered it for six days, on the seventh, everybody say on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from inside the cloud. See, sometimes we're like, God, where are you? And he says, where are you? It's not that he doesn't love us, because he, all the way down to the bottom of the mountain, the people that don't even want God to get close to his presence, God's still caring for them. Do you know the process of them having manna never stopped? Because the word says it doesn't stop until they enter the promised land. So that means that even though they won't want to be in God's presence, God loves his people so much that they, he's still taking care of them. It's not a, this is not about God's love. It's not about his acceptance of you. This is about the place that we have as, an, as a, the greatest gift of all is not his provision. It's not just salvation. Come on, that's like base. In fact, the New Testament says, let's not go over the basics. Salvation, rising from the dead, and so on. <laughs> those, the verses, and we look at those and go, Lord, those are the basics? <laughs> those are the basics? Because the Lord wants us to walk with him as friends with him. As a friend of God. And it, the, the key here, come on, there's a key. There is a key. We want to see God answer 2 Chronicles 7.14, and he says to seek him. There is a key. Seeking him requires separation and extended periods of that. It is not instantaneous. Lord, I did seek you. I sought you for five minutes every day this week. The Lord says, I need you to turn to Exodus chapter 24. Because my boy Moses here, he waited for six days inside my cloud. Come on, are we waiting on the Lord long enough? To, we're asking God for an answer. We're asking God, how can I? Moses is like, Lord, how can I lead this people? And the Lord's got a circle around each of you. Lord, how can I do what I've been called to do? And every one of you here has that. And the Lord's like, well, get into my presence. And you're like, well, Lord, I am in your presence. He's like, no, I need you to stay in my presence for extended periods of time where we can actually get his heart. Dawn and I, if we don't spend time together, you know, I can maybe after 50 years, I'm going to have a pretty good idea of who she is. But unless we spend real time together, I'm not going to know all the little nuances about her. That can only happen. I mean, I'll have a good understanding over a long period of time. We can know all about God just because it's been a long time. We've been around him so long. We know a lot about him. But to really know her is not about time. It's not about knowledge. It's about knowing. Come on, I, you can only describe it spiritually. I can't, I'm saying them in natural words, but what I'm describing is a spiritual thing. And that's what the Lord is asking of us. And it says on the seventh day, then Moses disappeared into the cloud as he climbed. Verse 18, this is incredible. What's it say? I love how the NLT translates this. It says that the Mos Moses disappeared into the cloud. You got to disappear. Come on, it's time to disappear from the world. He was already in the presence of God. And it says that he climbed higher up the mountain. And then he remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. 
and he ate no food, and he had no drink. There was a complete separation from God. He went on a fast. Everybody loves fasting. So it's our favorite word in, in Christianity. Our favorite. Mmm, love it. Mmm. Can't wait to fast. Something begins to happen, though, in God's presence. God's presence is the most addictive drug there is. God's presence, you get into his presence, you just want more of it. And suddenly, the world just starts becoming less and less and less of a draw to you. And it says in chapter 31, verse 18, when the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant written by the finger of God. This is incredible because if we go back and just to close here, I wish I had more time with you. I could share a lot, lot more. But it says in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, it says to, to humble, to pray, to seek, and turn from your wicked ways. You know, you cannot, is not physically, spiritually, mentally possible to turn from anything on your own. You cannot. You turn because you love God so much, because God's presence is touching your heart so much that you want to give Him it so much that He begins to take it and it has no tie on you any longer. It's not hard to give something up. If it's still hard to give it up, you need to get into his presence a little bit higher. If it's still hard to say, Lord, it's so hard. I'm just, um, Lord, it's hard. I'm trying. We'll just give into his presence more. Just go into his presence. Because inside that place of God's presence is where the law is. And the law is not on stone. It is on our hearts. There's a, this is a spiritual thing that's happening inside of us. It says in, I mean, so many passages that he wants to tell us secrets. He wants to answer us. If you seek him, you will find him. And I just, I just want to read just this one thing. And like I said, I have so much. We need to do like extended time. We'll do the bonus hour. If you want to stay, you can stay. You want to go, you can go. Everybody leaves. But there is this passage here, which I love, and it's in the, in the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 5. And it said, uh, Jesus is teaching more about prayer, and he used his story, and he said, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. 
keep on seeking. Everybody say, keep on seeking and you will find. I need you to get this because I feel like this is probably the last week for this if. If, everybody say out loud, if I seek God, I will find him. Period. Like we need to get that and that needs to be part of our DNA. We just know that. I know that's like, come on, talking to me like a preschooler here. I know that. Adam, I know that. I know that. Like our children. Oh, I know that. You're not listening. Children go, I know that. You, you, are you sure? Because you just did opposite of what I told you. <laughs> I know that. You may know it in your mind, but I need you to know this in your spirit. Know this in your heart. God is waiting to be found. It is not me. This is like only God can do this. Somehow, simultaneously, he's here with you. He never leaves you, never forsakes you, never abandons you, always takes care of you, always provides for you, gives miracles, provides a way for you, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, simultaneously, there is this friendship with him. All right, that's the God part of him. And then there's this friendship place inside of him that is waiting and is only found by seeking. That's not his instant. Even Moses, I mean, God separated, he offered it, and then God separated because of their choice. But he even had to press in and press in and press in and press in. And it says, for everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. The Lord is looking to answer prayers and the Lord has some ifs and not. Let me just read this. Let me just read this. The Lord has some ifs. And I just want you to just close your eyes. And I just want you to think about this. And I'm just going to read you a list. And I just, I'm just spending some time with the Holy Spirit. And he said, if you will humble yourself, I will lift you up. If you will pray, I will give you the answer. If you will seek, you will find. If you repent, I'll forgive. If you believe, you'll see. If you rely on him, he will give you power. He will provide for you. He will take care of you. If you rest in him, he will give you peace. If you give, you will receive. If you put in as much effort into your call as you do into earthly things, you will have a miraculous power-filled existence that nations shake from. If you forgive, you will be forgiven. If you love, that never-failing love inside you will penetrate. If you abide, remain, and give your heart, he will do the same. If you draw near, he draws closer. If you abandon, he will fill you up. If you let go, he will catch you. If you give him your little, he will give you much. And if you cry out for his presence, he will show up. Lord, let's just stand and let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us so much. We thank you, Lord, that you love us unconditionally. We thank you, Lord, that the cross was while we were still sinners. That our salvation, Lord, is as simple as coming to you and just giving you our lives. We thank you, Lord. It's that simple. But Lord, you are not looking for us to be simply saved and to simply punch a ticket. But I thank you, Lord, but you desire most of all, Lord. Your word says that Jesus is the second Adam, and Adam walked 
with God. Lord, that's what you're giving us. You have given us the opportunity to walk with you, to be friends with you, to know you. And there, then, there, Lord, there's, there's the, when we have a question, the answer is there. When we don't know if this is right or wrong, Lord, the answer is there. When we're looking for wisdom, the answer is there in that place of friendship with God himself. And we thank you, Lord. We will answer yes to every if, Lord. We're going to keep saying yes, Lord. We're going to do that if. We're going to do that if. I'm going to do all the ifs, Lord, because I want all of it. I want all of you. And I thank you, Lord God, that you're going to do that in this church and through this people. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Thank you.